Welcome Black Hollywood Live fans. On today's Fit Club, we talk fake meat, fake news, and real muscle with vegan IFBB pro, Nimai Delgado. Stay tuned for more. You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, Fit Club. Welcome, Fit Clubbers. We are. Again, my name is Shaka Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, Shaka Strong. Joined by my lovely co host, TK Trindad, and our guest, uh, Nimai Delgado. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Hey, hey. And where can they find you, Mr. Trindad? At everything at TK Trindad. Mr. Delgado. Same thing, everything, Nimai Delgado. Nice. Uh, just glad that you're joining us here. Uh, I get a lot of questions about being vegan and building muscle that you can a answer for us here today. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been uh, a vegetarian all of your life, and then a vegan um, in 2016? Actually, uh, the last four years. Okay. So wow. just coming up on four years. So vegetarian since birth, but then yeah. vegan. Completely plant-based last four years. Wow. So, yeah, we definitely got to talk about that. And uh, coincidentally, our first story is about fake meat. Um, in Missouri, they passed a law um, that says that you cannot put the words meat on anything not derived from harvested production, livestock, or poultry. And it, it looks like it's the meat industry's kind of pushback to, I guess, the trend of veganism. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize Missouri was already experiencing this. But how do you feel about that? Have you seen a, pull, a pushback against sort of the, the vegan trend? I mean, I think there's always been a pushback, but I, I, like I said earlier, I think this is like a real victory yeah. uh, in regards to like the vegan movement because if those guys are spending good money to get a, a law passed to kind of counteract all the work that, you know, what's been going on for so many years, I mean, let's face it, the, the, the fake meat industry, whatever you want to call it, yeah. isn't going anywhere at yeah. this point. I mean, even meat companies like Tyson are investing in these companies mm -hmm. to, yeah. to keep them going. So, they, yeah, they can remove the label meat, but it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've come a, lot, come a long way. Like, I remember my dad's vegetarian. We grew up kind of pseudo-vegetarian. Um, the bacon back then was terrible. Um, now the uh, alternate options is like, you know, the chicken wings that are not, you know, chicken and the fingers. Yeah. yeah. The fingers. Yeah. Yeah, the, the <laughs> they're, they're all, they all taste really good yeah. compared to, you know, years ago. So, of course, they don't want to lose that money. And I think because, you know, for instance, in Los Angeles, you can go to the grocery store and get a whole bunch of vegan options. If it's kind of already taken over the major cities, I'm guessing it's starting to, starting to kind of go into the Midwest in. and stuff like that. So they kind of mm -hmm. want to separate the two. And maybe the companies that are local yeah. are feeling, you know, that kind of threat. Yeah. And have you ever known anyone to buy something at the store, think it was meat, and then realize, oh, no, it's vegan? Uh, I don't think people in Los Angeles, but I definitely think it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's how this all started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's never happened. They got those those chicken fingers and so, said it was like... Yeah. And they're like, what is this? Yeah, they didn't read the small print. Soy. And yeah. Oh, no. Well, yeah, because the, the Missouri Cattlemen's Association says it's about marketing integrity, but I feel like it, the products are usually clearly labeled, and even mm -hmm. in the store, they kind of have their own sections. Mm -hmm. So I mean, let's face it. If they really wanted to call things for what they were, yeah. uh, meat's a pretty term for, yeah. the, for the products that they sell. Yeah. So the fact that they want to eliminate that term, I yeah, mean, let's I get mean, them to call it what it really is that they're yeah. selling. <laughs> yeah. Especially the hot dogs and, and so, the burgers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, of course, the ACLU and the Animal Legal Def um, Defense Fund are fighting that. Um, but yeah, you can get up to a fine of a thousand dollars and up to a year in jail. So. I mean, we'll have an update on that and see how that goes because it looks like that may be headed for court. But they say they're ready to uphold this law. But is the vegetarian vegan options 
do they say? I don't think many are of them say bat, meat. Are they trying to ban meat or meats uh, adjacent? Like, are they? What well, are they're, they're, they're saying basically you can't put the word meat on something that uh, doesn't come to like actually from the cow. Mm. And it's actually going to kind of test what they do because they're saying not even clean meat will work. Clean meat's the meat that they can grow in a lab that has nothing to do with an animal, but that's about to hit the market very soon. I and don't know saying, if I want that either. That sounds terrible. Well, you know, I'm going to look into that. Is, is that something you would eat? Because I've been asked you, this question before. Because you I, went with an, because you're an ethical vegan, or you kind of went in that route as you went to veganism, right? It, here's the thing for me is I don't care to have anything that's like incredibly realistic to the real thing. So oh, okay. really, it doesn't make a difference to me whether it's like grown in a lab or um, it does. I don't know. It just doesn't sound good. So is it is it meat grown in a lab or meat alternative grown in a lab? Basically, they're able to take some cells and turn it into meat no, in the lab. That just and so there's no animal, like, di- no animal dies, no. No, nothing, and, and they just grow the patty. It's not like they're growing an organ; like they're growing. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like you will grow an organ. After that. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound at all. But I mean, it may be an alternative for like you know starving populations and people, you know. Yeah, in regards to like uh, the amount of like environmental footprint, maybe in yeah. the future that that could ethically, s- it's, yeah, yeah. It, could, it could do a lot. But personally, me, I don't think I don't no. Yeah. <laughs> no clean. And then the thing too, it, you can say it can help a. In a starving countries and stuff like that but look at all the food that we have just in the present time yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and the food that restaurants throw out and the food that people throw out after parties like we have homeless people chilling on the street here so is that really going to help the starving people in other countries when we're not even helping them right now well yeah I think they can grow that meat without having to need livestock, without having to feed the livestock or you know water so Mm -hmm. like a lot of the resources that goes into making meat they don't need to have um, so I, I think it could help, and I, I think do they need I, meat though, or could they just well, it's grow their meat. own food it's in clean their meat. countries? Well, I mean they're not doing it now. So yeah. in terms of there's, there's populations that are starving, yeah. so just but, you know, just saying. <laughs> but we'll see where that goes. Hopefully, <laughs> hey, you guys test out this clean meat. We'll check you back in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, we actually have a a, a better study that they're running, um, an avocado study. So it looks like Loma Linda, Penn State, Tufts, and UCLA, if you guys are listening right now, you want to get in on this because this is happening right now. Did you get in? Uh, no, no, no. I, I didn't meet the criteria. <laughs> I did look for the criteria. I was of like, course you <laughs> did. <laughs> like I had to double check here. <laughs> because each, each um, institution accepting 250 patients, and they're looking uh, a long-term study of avocados and how it affects weight loss. So one group will have to eat one avocado per day, mm-hmm. and the other group will have to eat two avocados per week. Um, and this will be a six-month study, and you get at the end of the study three dollars and twenty-four avocados. So, uh, and and they're saying you know avocados are really good in um, fat, mm-hmm. and so they want to actually see if this is true. It's sort of something we all kind of know, but we don't have any study to pinpoint whether it's actually helping your your um, your weight loss goals. Uh, have you experienced with avocados <laughs> the magic? I mean, I, you could sign me up right now. Yeah. I eat more than one avocado a day. I at <laughs> least eat like one and a half, maybe two sometimes. But I, I'd be interested to hear more about the study in regards to the control of the other part of the diet. You yeah. know, adding an avocado to your day is like adding, you know, 15, 17 grams of fat and mm-hmm. a couple more grams of fiber. So I could see the health benefits from it. But if they're eating McDonald's, yeah. you in know, to. yeah, in addition to all that, then I'd like to see a little bit more about that study. But I, I think I think part of it will be will they naturally replace certain things because because they're feeling fuller and feeling more um, satiated. It, it, yeah, it just depends because yeah. if you're used to eating crappy food to begin with, if you have the av- avocado, I mean, you could do a lot of not so great things with avocado, like, you know, as far as like um, the salsas and stuff like that, but adding sugars and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it just... It just depends what they do with it yeah. and how controlled because... But I would think if you had the avocado and you never ate it before, you might have like half the bag of fries. Or, you know, yeah. 
I don't with I don't know. It's or dip your fries in the avocado. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. it's 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 uh, free for all. So it depends on how controlled this is. <laughs> well, I would like to see the results of that study yeah. though. So yeah, it's six month study and yeah, so if you guys are listening, that's Loma Linda, Penn State, Tufts, and UCLA. Uh, hmm. are there any things that you kind of know to be true that you've found secretly in the bodybuilding world, but aren't you know, because like this, we kinda know avocados are healthy for you, but we have no studies to back it up. Uh, I, I think there's a lot in the bodybuilding world that's kind of passed down generationally. Yeah. Oh, I call it bro science. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the problem with being like a vegan in that industry is kind of convincing people to unlearn that science that the, the, that one big dude at the gym told them. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of my whole mission is kind of helping people understand that there's another approach that can still yield the same results but also yield uh, health from the inside out. So adding things like avocado, I mean, that's a huge staple of my diet. Other bodybuilders would rather just drink uh, coconut oil. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and speaking of coconut oil, our next story. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's that a good segue. segue. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, let me take that segue. I'm going to run with that one. I like it. Um, but yeah, speaking of coconut oil, and we actually have an update on this, but this was our story was Karen Michaels from the University of Freiburg um, called coconut oil pure poison. Um, what we do know about coconut oil is that it's got um, high in saturated fat, something we didn't really, that wasn't publicized with the coconut oil sort of trend of a few years ago. Um, high in saturated fat, so basically it raises your LDL, mm -hmm. but it also raises your HDL, which is good for you. And your HDL can sometimes actually clear the LDL from the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So, and they think that's a lauric acid in coconut oil. So that's sort of why coconut oil is on the fence. But they definitely know it's better than butter. And but it's going to be a little bit worse for you than olive oil or canola oil. And so, how do you deal with that? Um, kind of these trends that look healthy that we kind of all buy into. They found that 2016, 72% of people thought coconut oil was healthy. That's how they, they labeled it. How do you deal with trends like that? Um, it's hard because I, like on a social media basis, people take things for face value. So somebody online that looks good and they say they, you know, use coconut oil every day in their coffee and other things and they follow like a keto diet and, and they look good. So it's really easy to believe that. But the, the trick about somebody looking good is, is that doesn't mean they know anything about nutrition mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that they're healthy on the inside yeah. and let's face it coconut oil is basically just really processed coconut it, it doesn't come with the same package that you know yeah. real coke that the oil in real coconuts come with yeah. uh, so essentially it's just another added oil and if you know much about nutrition you, you shouldn't be adding so much oil especially if, like coconut oil is one of the one plant foods that contain saturated fats, yeah. which, as we know, most animal products contain saturated fats, which lead to higher cholesterol, which leads to heart disease, which leads to, yeah. you know, overall unhealthiness. And I was just surprised because uh, I thought there had been studies on this already, but they, there just haven't been. Well, I mean, it feels like... Uh, you have to first listen to your body, but your body has to be in a good position for, for you to be able to listen to it. So that's one thing. But also, too, when we have these things that, okay, this is the thing of the season, mm -hmm. either it be like raspberries or blackberries two years ago or apricots or whatever, mm -hmm. it just seems like you shouldn't go full force into that thing of the season. Like, yeah. we, it, it should be common knowledge that you should have everything in small dosages. Like, yeah. you know, they said, I think years ago, margarine was better than butter. Now butter is better than margarine. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you should have a whole tub of butter or margarine that week because they said it's good. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of like, for me, even in, say, say if you do have the coconut oil, that doesn't mean you have to like saturate it because they say it's good. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's just variety is definitely I, I think variety is a key of life and also too you have to 
listen to your body. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you're, you know, sluggish or this or that, then you start eliminating certain things until you figure out what it is. It, it yeah. just seems... Like and, common sense with well, common sense. I, I'm usually common. super cautious, but I just remember the consensus around coconut oil was like, there was no doubt whatsoever. It was yeah. like pretty You could use standard. it for anything. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, use it for your skin, yeah, your skin. hair, everything. Yeah, yeah. so it, it wasn't like one of those things that was sort of like a small trend. It was like everyone was sort of kind of co-signing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that a tablespoon also has 120 calories, so it's very calorically dense, too. So you do have to watch how much you use if you're going to use it. But in breaking news today, <laughs> as luck breaking news button. <laughs> <laughs> as luck would happen, um, Srinivas Murthy, um, the horticultural commissioner of India, um, has come out and said that uh, Kristen or Karen Michaels, who University of Freiburg, who said it was pure poison, needs to retract this right away because that's a, a leap too far. And I think she's actually correct. She's saying, look, it's better than butter for you. You're telling these populations of people that are mm -hmm. using this thing that now it's called pure poison. May, they might go pick butter now because yep. they're, they're hearing this, you know? So you do have to be responsible. I think that's something we all think about is being responsible with your words and how you label certain things. So there is some blowback from there. We'll see if uh, Miss Michaels responds, but <laughs> I mean, we'll have an update next week. But yeah, what do you think about that? Do you think it's, well, I'm sure you think it's important, but how do you deal with that on an everyday basis when you're giving advice to your clients or um, your friends even? Yeah, you know what? I, I think people tend to look at things from like a reductionist point of view. So they tend to isolate everything. So like they isolate coconut oil in this instance and they say like it's super healthy for you. But like you have to look at the big picture and maybe the person that made that statement about it being poison um, sounds like an emotional statement because mm -hmm. uh, coconut oil obviously isn't poison. Yeah. Like, But if you drink a gallon of it every day, it could become poisonous, yeah. you know, yeah. to, and toxic to your body. So I think the, the term, you know, you hear this a lot, everything in moderation. Yeah. Um, but even for that term, I think that could be misleading because everybody's moderation is different yeah. too. Yeah. Because for me, moderation would be one tablespoon of added oil to my whole day. Yeah. Uh, moderation, somebody else would be reducing it from you know yeah. ten tablespoons, like yeah, a tub five, to yeah. you know a tablespoon. Yeah. So uh, I think it's it's important for people to understand that you have to look at the big picture. Yeah, you can't just take a look at one thing at a time and, and call it the devil, and then this <laughs> thing call the savior. That's you know what I'm saying? It's too simple. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be complicated. Tell me, I need I. Can't can have coconut oil because it's bad for me, or I can, or whatever. Like I, I just don't understand how it's just not. People just don't understand that you can't. You read this article doesn't mean you need to apply it daily to your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but you know. But I think we we to a certain degree, and we almost live in a culture of fear where we're like fearful that we're doing the wrong thing. We want to do the right thing, and then we read this article, and it completely shifts what we thought. Right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, confusion is the is the name of the game, right? right. I mean, this person's going to say it's the best thing for you in the world, mm -hmm. and this person's going to write another counter article and say that's the worst thing for you in right. the world. Yeah. And at the end of the day, people have death by indecision, and they just continue doing the same thing they've always done. Yeah, right. But again, just listen to your body. Like yeah. it's one of, it's of just one of those things where like you know what works for you. And you know it, it, it just there's you feeling great versus you feeling crappy is two different things. Like for instance, like I my body was terrible. I did four days of yoga. I haven't done yoga in like a year and a half. My back feels better. Yeah. Like the the stretching is what I needed, mm -hmm. and I also cut out sugar. I think I'm on like week three or something. Yeah. Like that's what I needed in order to have the energy, in order yeah. to feel better, in order to feel like I'm not 65 years old, which yeah. I'm not, but still, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> like, just, just clarify. Like, um, it's but, the coconut oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just kind of like one of those things where you you just do everything in yeah. in moderation according to you. Yeah. And like you, you kind of should know that eating a tub of ice cream is not the best yeah. for, thing for you. Yeah. Like it, that would, 
make you would think it would be that simple yeah. well how do you deal with this because i've had this happen where someone wants to or they talk about going vegan and they say that they went vegan and they, it was actually wreaked havoc on their body and they had to go back to eating meat and what have you yeah i mean that's interesting because you know going vegan is pretty is really simple i think yeah. a lot of people eat um you know three quarters of the way vegan most of the time i mean yeah. Fruit, vegetables, grain. I mean, that takes up a lot of people's diets. Uh, it's just they kind of overdo it on like the animal side, the animal mm -hmm. protein side. So just getting people to understand that you can just easily cut that out and replace it with more of this other stuff that you're already eating. Yeah. And it's it's not as complicated as it seems, and it, it can be a process. It doesn't have to be overnight. So that's what I continue to tell people is like, do the elimination way. You know, you tell yeah. me you did it in a couple years. Yeah. You know, go from um, you know traditional omnivorous diet to just cutting out red meat. That's mm -hmm. number one, cut out dairy. Number two, cut out you know fish. Do it in a process. That way you set yourself up to make it sustainable because mm -hmm. what happens yeah. is – People are like, all right, they watch one documentary, <laughs> you know, they watch What the Health, and they're yeah. scared to death of going down the meat aisle because yeah. they think they're going to catch cancer. <laughs> and they, you know, because it happens to me. I get messages all the time, yeah. and they're like, okay, I, I'm going vegan today, right now. Yeah. And then a week later, they're like, yeah, it was too hard. And I'm like, because you just, what, you like, you tried to change your life yeah. overnight. Like, yeah. think about you went 20 something years eating a certain way, and then you're trying to change it overnight. Yeah. Like, you have to have a really good reason why to stick to something. Yeah. Because yeah. once one thing gets challenging, then people give up really yeah. easily. Yeah, I always groan when people are like, oh, I'm going vegan today. And I'm like, oh, yeah. right, wait, let's take it back. Yeah, let's just cut <laughs> yeah. back. Just like not have fried chicken. Yeah. Let's start yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> like period. Yeah. If, you could, if you could not have fried chicken for like six months, and let's gradually <laughs> move on. Because usually like folks that like are want to go vegan or vegetarian, that's the one like thing that I hear. I was like, no, nah, I'm not. I don't want to give it. It's like if you can do that, then yeah. and you have to make sure that you know when you're drinking, your your willpower is high. You know, when you're out <laughs> at two in the morning, your willpower is high. So you have to also uh, plan for yourself at all times mm -hmm. when you're yeah. around yourself. Yeah. Another thing I want to add to that too is is that like you know you you your body basically becomes what you put in it right mm -hmm. you, your body is such an adaptive machine that you can put in food and then a few hours later it becomes muscle yeah like that's really amazing so think about the type of food that you're putting in your body and what comes out of that right so if you eat junk all day and you continuously eat uh too much of, of toxic foods you feel like shit uh well mm -hmm. not only you feel like shit you, you you have a new baseline of feeling like shit yeah. and then your body craves the shit yeah right yeah. so it's literally a physical um trait to where your gut will start craving crappy foods yeah. so you have to kind of introduce it slowly to kind of heal your gut in a way so where those microbiome and bacteria in your gut tell you they're like hey i need more of the good stuff yeah right? so if you just flood it with all the good stuff your body's like i don't want to do this junk throw mm -hmm. it out like that's why you have all these stomach pains and you go to the bathroom and you know yeah and i think we're at just at like the tip of understanding that i feel like none of this was talked about at least growing up none of this was talked about and i feel no, like now not. i hear a lot of people talking about gut health and um the biome well i i don't know i kind of think well in my household we had like my grandmother was cooking meals like we had meals oh yeah like yeah. I, I feel like I every day I you know so I'm going somewhere and I'm seeing these kid little kids who are overweight which is uh, saddening and also shocking shocking that the fact that they're three and they're like you yeah. know yeah. trudging around and but they're standing in front of a McDonald's yeah like that and the thing, and the thing is sad is because they get attention for being cute still because yeah. they're still kind of I mean so it's yeah, almost the chubby it cheeks and all that yeah, other stuff yeah, but yeah. for me that was a like that was a luxury that yeah. not a luxury but that was a treat yeah. that wasn't mm -hmm. that was never an everyday thing it's yeah. like okay we might you know we it didn't matter how often we drove past those golden arches my dad's like yeah we're not we're yeah. not doing that yeah. so it just it, it that's how we have to treat it and then people are always, always saying oh well healthy food's too expensive and all that 
that's just not the case. Yeah. But mm-hmm. to have the he- healthy food and then break it up and, you know, it takes a little bit more time than, you know, buying stuff at wherever. Yeah, and I think it's good I think it's good that we just know now because I, I think before it was easier to write it off as like, oh, that's just genetics. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I know you eat all your meals at home, but it's just genetic. But now yeah. we know there's something called gut health. We know that you yeah. can actually directly impact the way you look and the way you feel by what you eat. Well, not only that, too, I think uh, you kind of mentioned this just now is that, yeah, you might have some kind of genetic predisposition to be overweight or to, uh, like, develop diabetes or, yeah. or certain types of cancers and all that stuff, but you have a choice. Uh, what we what we inherit as, like, you know, young adults is the habits of our family and yeah. the environment we were raised in. So if you were raised in an environment where it was, like, an everyday occasion to go to fast food and get all this stuff, I you're mean, chances yeah. are you're not going to be much different when you grow up, yeah. well, you know? So, like, case in point, you know, I was raised vegetarian, so, like, I never ate at those places, and it was like, I don't crave it, I don't care for it. My parents kind of helped me understand that, you know, it wasn't the best food for me, so I just, like... It's all about the environment because you can unlearn your habits yeah. a lot quicker than you can change your genetics, yeah. right? Well, well I'm going to take that segue and say um, white people food is an unattainable <laughs> <laughs> picture of health. But but it really has to do with how we're raised and what we identify with culturally. And, you know, this actually came from an essay written by Tanisha Gordon. And she was on a CPAP machine, overweight, and she was kind of forced to lose weight. And all these healthy foods she had viewed as white people food. And so it was immediately off-putting to her because a lot of the images she saw around some of this stuff, the quinoa and the chia seeds, you know, this to her was just completely foreign. Mm-hmm. And not having the food she was used to culturally kind of felt like you were kind of invading some kind of, I guess, sacred space. And, and to a degree, I understand that. If someone's coming in and telling you, you can't have this, you can't have that, and all the stuff they're telling you is all your traditional cultural food, it almost feels like an attack on culture yeah. versus, here, let me, I just want you to be healthy, here are the food you should be having. So I kind of, you know, mm. you, you're, not, no. you're not feeling, but don't you feel that, though? No, she should just get a different nutritionist. No, no, she felt, though, as it, uh, you mean, like, in the terms of getting healthier The person who's telling food. her the food that she can't have, yeah. then she, she, she needs to get a f- person that is familiar with food that has to do with African-Americans. Yeah. Like, it's not, there, there's, uh, there's no, like, African-American food in, on a whole is not bad. Wait a minute. You have the portions, <laughs> you, I mean, you have certain things in every culture that's not good for you. No, no, but the nutritionist was black, and so that's what Well, I said, then she needs to get another one. Like, I mean... And she was the I only mean, nutritionist, and so, and that was part of it, is that it, in this entire town, that uh, I forget what town she was in, there, there was only one black nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And so, and she, she went to Google. her because she knew that she could kind of like, but even the black nutritionist had to say, look, you have to ditch the fried chicken, you have to ditch the collard greens that mm-hmm. are cooked like this. So, but to her, that was still sort of like an invasion of that cultural right. safe space. But you could do fried chicken on a, a healthier, as far as uh, using different breading, and like you could do different but not options. For, not for her. She uh, she was at a stage where she had to cut it out right now, because the CPAP machine, she couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Just, she was like, like, well, then she just basically not complain. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when you're, I think when you're in that position, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, you're going to complain about anything, but to say something is white people food is a little bit misleading because, I mean, you said she was African American. Yeah. What did Rastafarians eat? What do they call their food? They call it food from the earth. Yeah, you know, they yeah. call it ITAL. ITAL is yeah. vital. And, yeah. and like, tell me that's not like culturally, culturally like ingrained in their culture. I mean, oh, it's Jamaica, just an American yeah. culture thing where you know we, we tend to look, we tend to label uh, like soul food as African American food and yeah. quinoa and kale as white people food. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, I mean. That that's a statement. That's that's true. Fast facts, right there. Yeah. yeah. However. <laughs> well, no. But the thing is, they're they're saying it really derived from the the idea of soul food was a political movement. It mm-hmm. was to say that 
you know, the, even though these were the it's scraps, these were the scraps from back in the slavery days. This is food that belongs to us as African Americans, and we carve this out, and we're owning our but, identity in this way. But you don't have to lose your identity by going vegan or yeah. eating healthier, yeah. for that matter. You could still veganize all the same Mac foods and that you. Yeah, and exactly. That, yeah. Every yeah. single food that you can eat. I mean, in the South, I was born and raised in Mississippi. Like I know what you know, <laughs> Southern food looks mm-hmm. like, and I see Instagram accounts all day. I mean, maybe we should just point her to the, the direction of like some of these Instagram yeah. accounts. Yeah, she just needs to find. She literally just needs to go on her computer. Yeah. and find a person that's what I'm saying like no matter where you go to find the healthy option of wherever you're from there are healthier options uh, or uh, on top of that like you should know West Indian they have you have the plate and I grew up with like grown men having six seven spoons of rice on top of every like the plate was always just that if you cut that by you know a third mm-hmm. like that's going to make a huge difference yeah. in itself. And you still can have the food that you like, which still included beans, which still included sauces and all that other stuff. And you're 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 enjoying it, but also being healthy because you're not, you know, chucking all that into your body. So, yeah, I just think these are messages people aren't getting at all. You know, I, I think they're not hearing them until it's like, oh, change right now. And mm-hmm. then they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, but we, Greg Brown also weighed in on this. And uh, he actually owns a vegan soul food restaurant. And so one of the things he's trying to do is push that in the community and say, look, here are better ways to eat. And again, even pairing the vegan soul food with like fresh juices. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because I think it can feel, you know, I, I didn't think about it, but it can feel like white people food when, you know, you're hearing all this great stuff from Goop and it's, it's Gwyneth Paltrow and she's peddling the juices. So it feels like something you don't resonate with from your she's, upbringing. Though. Be, she's it, in it, the wrong area. Yeah, but that's just because <laughs> she's she's probably looking for the wrong places. There are mm-hmm. plenty of people yeah. that probably come from the same area and culture as her that are promoting the same message yeah. that like look and talk like her and, and act like her because I feel like a lot of times it's the messenger, it's not the message, yeah. right? So you could be trying to help somebody, um, but let's face it, uh, it's who's t- it's who's talking yeah. to you, yeah. right? And we're finally getting some of those good voices like Michelle Obama and some of the mm-hmm. rappers that have gone vegan. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, think, I'm, what you no, go ahead. I was going to yeah. say like uh, what Beyonce and Jay Z. Yeah. Oh about yeah, going they, vegan they, and, they, yeah, they do that. I think once a year, yeah, and, and have, obviously yeah. they have chefs and stuff like that. But I just think that again, the major cities. Now we have those options. You have the, there's a Caribbean restaurant in downtown in Hollywood yeah. that once a week they have a vegan brunch, mm-hmm. and you know that. That you're probably not gonna get it in the Midwest, but it's slowly infiltrating yeah. everywhere in North America. So it just might not have got to her at the moment. But yeah. there are options that she searches for it. However, if she wants to live, if this person is telling you, hey, do this and this and that, then just do what that person, that expert tells you to do. And then when you're at a certain level, then go and search out those options and have your, you know, healthy fried chicken. Because yeah. they're they they've done there's plenty of recipes on there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's funny, so the foods identified as white people food were largely salads, fruits, yogurts, cottage cheese, and lean meats. So, oh, no, but, that doesn't make but, any sense. But it wasn't like, it wasn't fried cucumber, chicken. Cucumber sandwiches is definitely, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why, that, rest, that stuff cucumber is not, sandwiches. yeah, with the, with the crust cut off. That sounds like, like a punishment. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something, but that just... <laughs> salads is rabbit food. Sa- salads is what would be put, what would be attributed to people who are eating healthy. That's not yeah. a white people thing. Yeah. But I, I think that, I think they're just not seeing enough faces that look like them for them to say, yeah. "Hey, not, she needs to move and too." I, and, I, and I think in probably other areas, you know, if you are black and vegan, you probably don't maybe not as vocal about it, depending on where you're from. You oh, know? I think you're yeah, sick. Could yeah. Be. Yeah. So but now I, there's a lot more people coming out. There's mm-hmm. a ton of conscious rappers now yeah, yeah. talking about it, and I think that's going to help a ton in the inner city and getting people on board and kind of talking to the people in these food deserts that you know you hear yeah. about nowadays uh, and getting them to shift and talk go more to a farmer's market or go more to places like that yeah. or maybe rewarding those people uh, I, there's so many other pl- 
routes we could go down with this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's <laughs> I think it's less less a race and more class. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's marketing to people that can't necessarily afford it, and then when they go to a place like Sweet Green or some of these restaurants, they're just kind of outside of their price point. Right, um, mm-hmm. makes it tough. So then you have to make it cook at home, and then you might be in a food desert where you can't get the organic food that you need. Well, I mean, the, first off, the, the the first thing to deal with is the food desert. Yeah. yeah, that's the first thing beyond you know white or black or whatever. Yeah. Like just getting fresh food. Yeah. Two people. But then Available. It, it, and, and what they're doing now is they're doing, some programs are doing like these buses and vans mm-hmm. to different areas, but it's almost like on us, the people that kind of like have a position that where we can lobby congressmen yeah. and lobby or to, to help those that can't do it. Yeah. Because, you know, they're not out there lobbying because they're just trying to deal with life. You know? Well, you have communities taking care of communities. I know in uh, Pasadena, there are certain areas that have food deserts. And what happens is the high schools, as a program, they actually grow food. Mm. And then they have the the boxes that are delivered See, to yeah. people in food deserts. So it's the communities that are helping the communities. We need which more is, of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we definitely need more of that because, yeah. you know, people are saying meat's not meat and all <laughs> but, other stuff. Is this lady in Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, but we got to talk about this. You, you just said you were raised in uh, Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, not quite hearing it. Um, but, yeah, you have an interesting background. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you were raised. And food-wise, culturally, what you had, your parents were Hindus. Yeah. yeah <laughs> in so, Mississippi. Yeah. So like I said, I, I, you can't judge a book by its cover. Uh, I was actually born and raised in South Mississippi within a Hindu community. Uh, so basically, it was like um, basically like a self-containing, self-sustaining community where we had we our own cow rescue uh, sanctuary. We had our own self-sustaining gardens. Nice. Uh, we had our own temple. And uh, everybody within that community was, it was a faith-based community and they were Hindu. So my parents are actually Argentinian. So I grew up with like kind of a mix between uh, Argentinian, Hindu, and Southern food. So yeah. it, it's, it was a bit different growing up. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world because, you know, I learned at a really young age what, to take a deeper look at what I'm putting in my body and um, asking questions of where the food comes from. Yeah. So I think that kind of primed me to where I am today. But, you know, in my earlier days, I, I didn't talk about this stuff at all because I didn't want to be labeled as different because growing up in that community, like you were talking about, I mean, I was surrounded by hunters, fishers, and that's all they did on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And we'd go to bur- birthdays and barbecues, and I was the weird kid in the corner that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't eating anything, you know? And yeah. it became such a point to, like, satisfy me and the, the, the other parents would come and be like, Nima, are you hungry? Let me serve you something. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I just I just want to chill. And it's like, <laughs> in my little space. Like, and then I would just munch on chips and stuff, you know? Uh, so it was different. It was definitely different. Yeah. And, and you've become sort of a, kind of like a vegan advocate in the bodybuilding world. And you got uh, this film coming out called The Game Changer. Uh, tell us kind of what your role is in that. Yeah, so it's not my film. <laughs> I yeah. can't take credit for that. Um, it's actually two amazing executive producers. Um, uh, his name's James Wilkes and Joseph Pace, and it's backed by James Cameron. And basically, uh, they took a very um, different approach to advocating for a plant-based diet. So they chose to really highlight elite-level athletes. Uh, like we talk about the importance of athletes. Uh, we were talking about the Colin Kaepernick thing earlier and, and how much of a voice they have mm-hmm. and how, how powerful their messages can be. Uh, so this film basically highlights, I, I think, 12 or 13 maybe more now, I don't, I don't know, I haven't seen the final cut yet, uh, elite level athletes from bodybuilders to race car drivers to uh, professional heavyweight boxers to Olympic athletes, uh, weightlifters, cyclists, everything. So uh, it's quite an amazing film and it really is going to change the game and I think that once it comes out, people are going to have a 
they're going to look at the plant-based diet very differently than they do now. Yeah, and, and we have to ask you, get the question, what do you eat to build the muscle? And then when you're training for competition, what do you kind of really lean on to kind of that's a little bit more protein-heavy? Yeah, so you know what? My, my diet is really simple. Uh, it doesn't change much. I, I know on my Instagram I post a lot of food pictures when I eat out and like kind of highlight that this is the type of food that you still can eat as yeah. a vegan. Uh, but when I'm at home, I eat relatively simple. I really enjoy like Buddha bowls. Mm-hmm. So basically I just clean the fridge. Like <laughs> My fridge is loaded with fruit and veg. Yeah. Uh, so I'll always have some kind of base with some kind of green vegetable. So whether it be <clears throat> kale um, or like arugula or spinach or cabbage. And then I'll add some type of grain, normally rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll add some kind of legume, so mm-hmm. beans, uh, lentils, something like that. And then for, for added protein, I do like tofu and tempeh. Those yeah. are pretty much my main two. I used to do the, the fake meats, uh, if we can even call it that now. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of stay away and go a little bit more whole food plant-based. So when mm-hmm. I cut down for, for competition, I just eat less of what I already eat. I don't manipulate too much of my diet. Like you hear about guys that don't eat carbs at yeah. all oh, leading yeah, up to shows. No, like, yeah. dude, I'm, I'm slamming carbs yeah. all the way up to shows. I'm slamming fruit. You know, every day I make these gigantic fruit smoothies and just loaded with tons of health food. That's well, good to hear. That's great. Yeah, to hear, it just yeah. sounds like you stay. It's almost uh, I don't even, well. It sounds like the Mayweather approach, meaning that Mayweather, when he was fighting, as he never gained a ridiculous amount of mon- uh, weight. He mm-hmm. always stayed consistent. He still went on his runs. He still went on. So when it came time for a fight, and he's seven weeks out, like he's good. Yeah. I remember like him and Canelo were actually going. Um, they were um, about to do a fight, and they did like a twenty-four-seven type thing, and. Can- and I was like trying to cut out this weight and the food's all small and Mayweather's just like okay like I'm just eating like how I normally eat yeah. and so that's kind of the important thing to, to, to stay or get to a point where you're consistent with your food so that whether you're doing competition or you're training for something or you're going on vacation it's just some slight modification yeah. which will make the difference versus like oh my god I need to you know, juice fast for 21 <laughs> yeah, days or yeah, something. Yeah exactly and I, that's the thing about like bodybuilding in particular is that people tend to look at their food as like uh, strictly a diet. Yeah. You know, you hear about these these bodybuilders that go bulk, cut, bulk, cut, like all year round. Yeah, which and, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? For me, it's just a lifestyle. Like, literally, I don't change much of my diet. I just change how much of it I eat. Yeah. Uh, so it's relatively easy for me. And it, it's funny because, like, my bodybuilding peers, they see what I do and they really respect what I do. I, I, ironically, I don't get too much slack uh, about being a vegan uh, because I'm on stage next to them yeah. and I'm competing next to them and I'm placing higher than most of <laughs> some of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they can't really say that it doesn't work. And, and in bodybuilding, to me, it's supposed to represent health, not all the unhealthy things you did to look this way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It should represent a picture of health. I did one yeah. competition and I was so miserable. Yeah. yeah. I never did another one. I yeah. say this all the, the time. That, people, that, people look the best on stage but they feel the worst yeah that was my second I did a competition second or third competition I felt awful and after that I said I'm only doing one week diets yeah. I said I'm going yeah. to enjoy myself and then do a one week diet and yeah, that's I was, it I, I, was, I think there was like some the trainer had me doing some salt thing and oh, no. I was just Crazy. like I, salt manipulation yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just like no I'm and then to be on stage for all the seven minutes I was like <laughs> I say that all the time yeah, bodybuilders train for eight weeks or more for yeah. eight seconds yeah. on stage yeah. it was it was yeah for well, a plastic trophy. We got to wrap soon, but we do need <laughs> to get really quickly to our Fit Club 5 before we wrap. Uh, we're going to be five rapid-fire questions, quick answers, whatever comes to the top of your head. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, did we have music for this? I don't think we did. Um, so, last person you text. Uh, you. <laughs> uh, dream dinner guest. Dream dinner guest. Um, oh, this is so hard. Uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, if you were a crayon, what color would you be? 
<laughs> Green, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what would, if you were a superhero, what power would you have? Ooh, definitely flying. And if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Oh, man. Uh, shit, probably a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> Plug in. Or <laughs> I crap myself. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that is the Fit Club Five <laughs> with me, my Delgado. <laughs> well, I do want to thank you for joining us. Uh, this was amazing just to, just to hear your insight. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure. So yeah, we're looking forward to Game Changers. Do you know when we can expect that out? I don't. When I do, everybody else will know. I'll be the first yeah. one to start come back on, it. come back on, and yeah. uh, talk about it. I would love to. Cool, um, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Shaka Smith. Again, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. Uh, you can find me on everything at TK Trinidad. And you can find me everywhere at Nimai Delgado and podcast, Generation V Podcast. Yeah, and we'll see you guys next week. Ciao. Oh, he's totally playing the wrong thing, too. <laughs> From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, From the first online broadcast network Dario dedicated Christen, to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, like contact us for info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Sipia.com. Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Sipia. Instagram at King XO Bay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the or its owners or principals.